Good morning and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's so great to see everyone here. This isn't going to happen for another 11 years when Christmas is going to be on a Sunday. So you guys are a part of limited edition uh, event here. That's great. Uh, I want to hear, did anybody open up Christmas presents this morning? All right. Very nice. Did anybody open any up last night? Christmas Eve, anybody open? Okay. Did anybody sleep in this morning? A little bit. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, we decided today we were going to take a page out of the book of our local movie theaters and show a trailer before the main feature. Uh, no, this was a story. This is a story uh, that we're going to be talking about today. Today we close out our series called Heaven and Nature Sing, highlighting four of our different most cherished uh, Christmas carols and hearing the stories behind those and tying them in with scripture and seeing where it is that we draw our hope uh, through uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. Now I love seeing all the kids in here. We don't have any children's ministry or nursery happening down below today, so it's great. We get to have you all in here. So a little bit of extra sound effects going on. This is beautiful. And uh, I, all the kids in here up through fifth grade, I want to let you know a little bit later I'm going to need your help on something, okay? All right, so a little bit later, be ready, uh, ready to go, and we'll get you started with that. Well, our story today is about a guy named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Anyone here ever heard of the poet named Longfellow? He's written some, uh, some very famous poems. Uh, poems like, I believe, Evangeline is one of those. Uh, the Song of Hiawatha and Paul Revere's Ride are some of his most famous poems. But one of the poems that we sing almost every year come from a song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Now this story actually starts with a very discouraging and dark moment. Because you see, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, he was married to his wife, Frances. They had been married for 18 years. They were enjoying life together until one day she was doing something. She was sealing some envelopes, as you may have seen in uh, the video, sealing some envelopes using some hot wax and, and a candle, and somehow, some way, her clothes caught on fire. Her clothes caught on fire, something that many of us would never hope to happen in our lifetime, but she was trying to put it out. Henry rushed to her aid, tried to help her out, but sadly, her injuries as a result of that fire were so bad that she died the very next day. Now Henry had tried to help her and so he had been burned really severely and he had been injured so severely in this fire that he was not even well enough to go to her funeral a few days later. And he found himself in a very discouraging and a state of depression really really discouraging moment. So he stopped writing poems at that time. He stopped doing some of the things that his, really filled his heart with joy. Instead, he turned to just doing some translation work and, and uh, stopped really pouring out of his creative spirit. So a year went by and he wrote uh, that next Christmas, he wrote, A Merry Christmas, Say the Children, But That Is No More For Me. Found himself in a very discouraging place. Well, not only that, but around that same time, the Civil War was going on. And he agreed with the cause of the North. He was uh, an abolitionist. He wanted to see slavery done away with. But he was really sad when his son went away and joined uh, the Union Army because he didn't want to see his son lose his life. Well, not too long after that, sure enough, his son 
was shot. Shot in the shoulder and the back, and I believe the bullet grazed his spinal cord. And so he had some real need to be brought back to health. So Henry Wadsworth Longfellow traveled to Washington, picked up his son, and returned on December 8th to their home to start caring for his son, helping him nurse, be nursed back to health. And so then just a few weeks later, he found himself on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, and as I understand it, the tradition at that time, many of us have our own traditions of when it is that uh, we're allowed to open presents. This morning, it's when I turned on the lights for the Christmas tree and rang a little bell. My kids came running down the stairs to be opening their presents. But I believe, as was the tradition in their day, when the church bells started to ring, proclaiming the joy and the hope that we have because of the birth of our Savior, when he heard those bells, he was inspired again to put his hope in God. And he started to write that very same Christmas day the words of this song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And here are some of the words. I'll be sharing some of those throughout my message, but first he wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Today we're going to take a look at the reason that we celebrate Christmas. The reason that we have hope as believers in Christ Jesus. And it's because Jesus was born those 2,000 years ago. Not only because he was born, but because he still lives today. Let me pray for us and open our time in the word today. Father, we come before you. Thank you so much for sending your son. It was the greatest gift of all time. Not only did you send your son to be among us, to identify with us, but Lord, you made a way for us to be saved through the life and the death of your son. God, I pray that today, as we think about what it means to hear the bells on Christmas Day, to be reminded of the truth and the hope that we have, Lord, may we be thankful for you sending the light of the world, Jesus Christ, your son, into our lives. We love you, Lord Jesus. Please speak to us today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, if you've got your bulletin with you, I want you to go ahead and open that up. There's an insert in there where you can follow along and we've got an outline for you. Uh, the, uh, the passage we're gonna be doing today, it's actually, it's not from Jude, as it says right there. We are in Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, more specifically, Isaiah 9, 6. If you want to jot that down, you're welcome to do that. But what we're going to see today, both from our passage in Scripture and in our carol that we're highlighting, is this fact. Christmas Day brought light into the darkness. Christmas Day was the moment when God brought light into the darkness that was existing within the world. Now one thing that Emily and I love to do is to go out and to enjoy new restaurants. We love to go have a little bit of an experience, be able to go have some food that we've never tried before. And I was reading this last week about one restaurant uh, that I believe is in Germany. And you go there, you go to this restaurant and they bring you in and uh, a waiter or waitress will bring you to your table and you'll sit down. But the catch is this. The dining room there is 100% pitch black. The lights are all off. 
There's no way for you to even see the hand in front of your face. It's all part of the, uh, the eating experience, right? So they bring you to your table and you sit down and you can't see anything. You can hear things. One guy wrote when he visited, somebody accidentally knocked a glass off their uh, table and shattered on the ground. And of course, you hear shattering glass in the darkness. You're wondering what's happening, but they cleaned it up and they bring you your food and then you got to try to figure out where's your fork. And then you got to try to figure out how to make sure you're not poking yourself in the eyeball with that fork, right? And uh, they're enjoying that. I heard actually one of the, uh, at least one of the waiters is blind himself. So he's at some uh, level of an advantage. He knows his way around uh, within the darkness. And after that, you're able to eat your food, wrap things up, and head out the front door back into the light. Now, I would love to maybe have that experience but I don't want to live in the darkness all the time. I don't want to do that all the time. And the reality is that when sin entered into the world, each man and woman, boy and girl, entered into a place of darkness. A place of spiritual darkness where we were not close with the light, with God, with the truth of who He really is. And so, that is the need that we had. We were a people who were stuck and lost in our darkness. But Isaiah proclaims in our verse today, 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah predicted what was going to happen by the power of God. And Isaiah 9, verse 2 says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The people who at one time who were experiencing darkness or, or walking in rebellion from God are the people who are coming face to face with the good news of who Jesus Christ really is. When Jesus came to earth, of course, he was born. That's what we're celebrating on Christmas. He grew up and he started his ministry. He went out and started explaining to people uh, who he is. And in John chapter 8, Jesus proclaimed, I am the light." Of the world whoever follows me that's why we talk about following Jesus whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life what a great thing to be able to experience who Jesus is to have a saving relationship with him through saving faith now it's true I might try it one time at that restaurant but most of the time I don't want to eat in darkness and most of the time, I don't want to walk in darkness. But for sure, I absolutely do not want to live my life in a place of spiritual darkness where I don't know what's going on in the reality of who I am, why I was created, why I exist, and what is going to happen to me after I die. I for sure don't want to live in the darkness. I would much rather live in the light because of Christ Jesus. You know, our Christmas carol for today, which we're actually going to sing uh, in just a few minutes, our Christmas carol sings of darkness turning to light. It says this, Tell ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. What an incredible joy that the author of our passage realized that he was going from a place of night to a place of day because of Christ Jesus. So 
Christmas Day first brought light into the darkness. But that's not the only thing that Christmas Day brought for us. The second thing you can write down today is that Christmas Day brought the Savior to his people. Christmas Day brought the Savior uh, front and center close to be with his people. These last few days, we've received lots of warnings on the news, on the weather channel. Uh, probably you got a notification on your phone, winter storm warning. There's danger out there. Be careful. You can get frostbite in a matter of minutes. And if you're out there for too long, you could lose your life. I heard a story this last week of a woman named Katharina who was taking this incredible hiking journey along the Pacific Crest Trail. She was starting out all the way at the border in Mexico and traveling up uh, 2,500 miles. She made her way all the way up to Washington and she was excited about being able to finish the last 150 miles of her journey. But what she didn't realize is that there was a winter storm warning happening there as well. A forecasted two feet of snow. There was danger ahead for her. Someone that she met said, hey, why don't you just wait it out? She said, no, I'll be just fine. Even though she didn't have snowshoes, she didn't have the things that she needed. And so she went out into the snow. The snow was coming down, and she found herself in a place of dehydration, a place of hypothermia, falling to her feet, wondering if she would make it. And in that place, she started to despair. She pulled out her phone and started to record messages to her friends and family, apologizing, I'm sorry I made this bad decision. I'm sorry for this. And she was saying goodbye. One thing she didn't realize, though, is that there had been dispatched to her a rescue mission. And rescuers came, and they found her, and she was still alive, and they brought her to safety and warmed her up, and she was so overjoyed because while she had been found herself in a place of a blizzard, of intense danger, she was brought to safety by some people who came to save her. And on Christmas Day, that's what we see. Christmas Day is the day when our rescue uh, crew, Jesus himself, came to the people who needed him. I love the last couple stanzas of our carol. They speak some of this good news that we need about when the Savior arrived. He says this, In despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then what happened at that moment? In, the, in this moment in the narrative here, he says, Then pealed the bells, more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. When our Savior came to earth, mankind saw that God is not sleeping. No, he is alive. He is active within each and every one of our lives. And Isaiah echoes those same sentiments in what is probably one of the most uh, cherished uh, and beloved prophecies that each one of us hold from the Old Testament about Christ who was to be born. Isaiah 9.6 For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. He's a gift to us, and not only that, even though he looked like a small little baby, and he was, he had taken on human flesh, added that to his, uh, his, um, his deity, 
but he would rule over all the earth, over every government, over every president, over every king and every queen. And his name shall be called, the verse goes on, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, Jesus is the everlasting King who will reign for all eternity, the promised Messiah from the line of David, and he's never going to stop. He's never going to stop ruling. Our verses say to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen? Amen. So God brought his Savior to the people, to the people who needed to be saved. To all the men in this room, God has brought his Savior to us, to those of us who have aspirations in life to make a difference, aspirations in life to care for those who are within our family, care for those who are under our leadership. For some of us, we seek to be the Savior ourselves at times. We want to be the one that comes through. But the reality is, for each one of us, as we try to do our best in leading our families and uh, succeeding in the workplace, Jesus is the one who comes and is our Savior. So we can bow the knee and we can receive His salvation. To all the ladies within the room, to all the ladies who have so many different things to care for, whether within the family, whether within the workplace, whether with caring for loved ones, reaching some of those aspirations that you have within your life, Jesus is the one who comes and welcomes you and says, I am your Savior. I will care for you, and I will hold you up. And to all the boys and the girls, all the children, all the young ones, what does Jesus say? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has our young ones in mind when he brought salvation to humanity. What an incredible joy that is. All right, all you kids, you guys ready to help me out? Okay, all the kids up through fifth grade, I want to invite you. We've never done this before. We're going to try it out. I want you kids to all come on up here. If your mom and dad's okay with it, I want you to come up here, join me on stage. And I've got a few pages I'd like to read for you out of this Biggest Style storybook. So come on up, all right? Come on up here, kids. We'll be right up here on the stage. Calvin, you made it. And you were first, all right. Come on up, you guys can just sit right here. I'm going to sit over here and read from this Biggest Story Bible Storybook. This is one we have in our house. We love reading. It's got 100 and, uh, 104 uh, different stories from in the Bible. Some great illustrations. We love uh, breaking this out at uh, mealtime. We've got this on our kitchen table, so we'll break it open and, and read one together. You guys ready for story time? No. I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to open this up to the chapter that says, A new baby 
and a new beginning. You know, one thing that uh, we learn is at the beginning of Matthew, Matthew used a word that's actually the word Genesis. So when Matthew started up his gospel, he used the same word that we see at the beginning of the Old Testament. All right. I want you guys to take a look at this picture, this one right here, and tell me, what do you see? What do you see? Raise your hand if you see something. What do you see? Excuse me, buddy. No. All right, anybody else? Yes. Mary on a donkey, Joseph next to her. Hattie, what do you see? A star. Anybody else see something up there? What do you see? A horse looks just like a donkey. Yes. Bethlehem. All right, let me read this, okay? It says, This new beginning is still connected to the old beginning. Jesus didn't come out of nowhere, just like a baby just fell from the sky because that would hurt. He wasn't created with a magic wand or in a science lab. Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was from the tribe of Judah and the house of David. He had in his family tree mothers with strange stories like Tamar's, amazing stories like Ruth's, and with sad stories like Bathsheba's. Jesus was a real Jewish boy born into a real Jewish family with a real Jewish genealogy, full of real promises and real people with real problems. All right, take a look at this next picture. What do you guys see in this one right here? What do you see? An angel. Anybody else? What do you see? Did you see an angel? Yeah, me too. You see, it's right up there. That looks pretty good. Another page. Let me read this for you. Jesus was just like us, and he was unlike us. That's how things work when you are God and man. Jesus was born like boys and girls are born, but his birth was unlike any before or since. Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married, but before they even had a wedding, Mary was pregnant. This didn't seem right, so Joseph had a plan to quietly break up with Mary. But before he could do that, who do you think showed up? The angel. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's not done anything wrong. The child within her is from the Holy Spirit. If that weren't enough to make Joseph the carpenter drop his hammer on his big toe, the angel had more to say. Mary is going to have a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Love you, buddy. Me too. <laughs> All right. You think Mary and Joseph were hungry? I think they were too. How about this picture? What do you guys see? It's kind of little, but you can see this next picture right here. What do you see? Yeah. A village. What do you see? You see animals. Wow. How about you? What do you see? Do you want to share what you see? Animals, that's what I see too. Yes. Baby Jesus in the manger. Things were about to happen that people had hoped to see happen for a long time. Centuries earlier, the prophet Isaiah predicted that a virgin would have a son, that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. 
In other words, a woman with no earthly way to be pregnant would give birth to a heavenly child. And now we've got our last picture. Anybody see something on here that they would like to say? What do you see? Animals. Anybody else? What do you see? The wise men. What do you see? The king. That surely is the king. Yes. An angel is up here. Yeah. Mary, Mary and Joseph. Yes, people on one side and animals on the other. Here's what it says. Joseph woke up and did everything the angel told him to do. Mary had a son. They named him Jesus, which means the Lord saves. That was a perfect name for a perfect Savior and a perfect new beginning for the story God had been writing even before the beginning of time. All right, I need help from someone who knows how to read. Who knows how to read? All right. Would anybody like to read? Yeah. All right. Why don't you come on up here and help us out, Joshua? Okay. Joshua's going to go first. Okay, bud? Could you read this prayer for us? Let's pray together. Amen. All right. Well, guess what? I got one more surprise for you guys. Would you like to pray, Calvin? I lost the prayer. Let me see where it is. We're getting there. Get in there. Can you say this, Cal? We thank you, God, for Christmas. For baby Jesus. And that you are with us. What a gift. Amen. All right. Okay. It came through in the end. I got one more surprise for you because if you look under that red blanket under that Christmas tree, I've got one of these books for each family here. All right. So go ahead and pull that open and you guys can grab one of those. Bring one for family and you can bring that back. All right. Well, that's great. Well, this is the light of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. That's the reason that we have hope. So as these kids make their way back, I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer, and then we're going to be able to sing our song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day.